Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, are you effing kidding me with JoJo from Juries? I have a question for working class MAGA. Republicans ran on lowering inflation, bringing down the cost of eggs and milk and gasoline, etc. And since they've had control of the House, they've done absolutely nothing about any of it. Nothing. And what are they doing now? They're attempting to use a crisis in Israel to make sure that the wealthy tax cheats here can continue to cheat on their taxes. That's what they care about. They don't care about you. They've never cared about you. They're not even pretending anymore to care about you. They care about making sure their rich friends and donors can get richer by cheating you. President Biden is trying to make rich tax cheats pay their fair share. You have to pay your taxes. Shouldn't billionaires have to pay theirs too? The folks you send to Congress don't seem to think so. So the question is, are you okay with that? And since we're chatting, Donald Trump called himself the jobs president. He wasn't. He was, however, the only president in the last 80 years to net job losses during his term. In fact, statistically speaking, he's the worst jobs president in history. Joe Biden has created 13.9 million jobs in his first two years in office, 21 and 22, were the two strongest years of job growth in history. Donald Trump promised the economy would grow to four and five and even 6%. It didn't. It never even got above 3.5. Under Biden, the economy grew 4.9% in the third quarter of this year alone. Donald Trump promised to lower prescription drug prices. He didn't, but Biden did. In fact, he finally beat Big Pharma and allowed Medicare to directly negotiate lower drug prices. And as a result, 4 million seniors on Medicare now have seen their insulin costs capped at $35 a month. Remember that great big beautiful wall Mexico was going to pay for? Well, the little that did get built was paid for by taking money from our own Defense Department, not Mexico. President Biden, on the other hand, did get Mexico to pay $1.5 billion for U.S. border security. And none of their former presidents have ever given them the finger, certainly not multiple times. And just as an aside, when Donald Trump claimed to be the law and order president, 91 charges and a mugshot later, it turns out that he meant he would be the recipient of the most law and order. President Biden may have gotten a parking ticket once, maybe, I'm not sure. The infrastructure deal Trump promised in two weeks, Biden delivered. The manufacturing jobs he was going to bring back, Biden returned. The corporations who never trickled down their tax breaks, Biden wants paying their fair share. And the world leaders who laughed at Donald Trump are standing in solidarity with Biden instead. Trump didn't put America first, he didn't make it great again. He put himself first in a country he was then, and is now, trying to destroy. 
He's not a self-made business genius. He's a nepotistic fraud. He's not a family man. He's a philanderer who opines about his daughter's sex life. He's not devout, he's devious, and he's not a patriot. He's a traitor. One who is currently charged with trying to overturn an election he lost by any means necessary, including violence. And while I know that when he confuses the name of the town he's in, you call him smart. And when he threatens to execute our top general, you call him strong. And when he gets arrested, you'll buy the t-shirt. And that nothing I can ever tell you or show you or prove to you will change your mind. But it still needs to be said. So, I said it. And since we're on the subject, Donald Trump loves to call Chris Christie a fat pig. He calls just about everyone he doesn't like, not smart, stupid, or dumb. He says Joe Biden hates God. He calls women ugly, uses physical appearance to mock and insult, calls the news fake and phony, calls our military leaders weak, calls Democrats unpatriotic, he calls his foes totally overrated, and he's called Hillary Clinton a traitor who is unhinged, unbalanced, unstable, dangerous, and pathological. And he also said of her, the legacy of Hillary Clinton, death, destruction, chaos, and weakness. She's weak. She's a weak person. I know her. She's a weak person. And all of it is 100% projection. He's not exactly svelte, to put it kindly. He cheated on his SATs, can't spell, doesn't know history or geography, or that you shouldn't look at an eclipse with the naked eye. He doesn't attend church, but instead every Sunday worships at Our Lady of the Perpetual Mulligan. He paints himself orange to look tan, wears lifts in his shoes to look taller, and has a 15-step comb-over to hide the fact that he's essentially bald. He dodged the draft five times, has been found to be an egregious business fraud who totally overrated his own worth. He's been charged with stealing our national security information and sharing it with others, and with attempting to thwart democracy itself. He's unhinged, unbalanced, unstable, dangerous, pathological, and his legacy in particular as it pertains to his woeful mishandling of a pandemic and the violent attack he incited on our capital will be death, destruction, chaos, and weakness. He's a weak person. We know him. He is a weak person. And no matter how hard he tries to drown out the voices playing on a loop in his own narcissistic, sociopathic subconscious by calling others what he knows to deep down to be true about himself, it isn't working. We see him. Believe me. My guest today is Lauren Windsor. Lauren is the executive producer of The Undercurrent, executive director of American Family Voices, and a partner in Democracy Partners, a progressive political consulting firm. This is an important conversation about the upcoming elections and about exposing the truth of election deniers. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Are You Effing Kidding Me podcast, Lauren Windsor. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Joe. Happy to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you, period, but especially right now, because as you probably know, and I'm assuming this is an incredibly busy time for you, and as it is for most people involved in politics, we've got some elections coming up, like right around the corner, really, next week. It's it's here, um, and there's so much going on in so many states all over the country, from every level, from the school boards up, and we'll talk about all of that, but I wanted to start with the conversation about how abortion and the big issue is essentially on the ballot in Virginia, although it's not officially on the ballot in Virginia, and is very much on the ballot in Ohio, and what the implications of those two races in particular will be moving ahead to 24 and beyond. 
Well, so um, I am part of a coalition called Volunteer Blue. Uh, it's 15 national organizations that are uh, recruiting volunteers to uh, get out the vote. So uh, volunteerblue.org is a, a, a hub for folks to go to to get plugged into whatever volunteer efforts appeal to them. But, uh, you know, it's of critical importance, this cycle in Ohio and Virginia, because you know, if Republicans win the state Senate in Virginia, you know, we can be certain that Youngkin, uh, Glenn Youngkin will uh, move forward on the offense uh, on abortion. Um, I'm not sure if uh, your audience remembers back in 2021, prior to uh, you know, when when Glenn Youngkin was a, a candidate and not the governor, um, I went undercover and spoke with him about abortion, um, you know, pretending to be uh, a, you know, very fervent uh, anti-abortion uh, activist. And um, he told me, I, I, you know, I, I appreciate you and um, I, I'm with you, but I can't be public about mm -hmm. how, what my stance is on abortion because it'll, I'll lose independence. Uh, I'll lose the moderates that I need to win. So, um, you know, when I win the governorship, when the GOP has control of the House and Senate, then we can go on the offensive. And so he won the governor's race and they have the House. So if they win the Senate, you can only imagine that, yes, he will um, move forward with, uh, you know, uh, anti-abortion measures in the state. It's so interesting to me that it was so revealing. I recently made a video that incorporated your video because it's so revealing about their agenda, A, but it also speaks to the fact that they think they need to hide this agenda from their voters because this is a Biden state, but also this issue in particular, and particularly in Virginia, has more support, their constituents, right? I mean, I don't know the statistics, but I would guess if it's indicative of like nationwide trends, that they that there is support for reproductive rights and reproductive access, et cetera. Not only is Youngkin just saying to you, like, I can't say this stuff out loud, even though this is my true agenda, but the Republican candidates in the legislature are like scrubbed their websites of these really, really, really extreme positions. And they've they've not been as public about them except for, you know, when they're in front of their donors, et cetera. So so the fact that they're trying to hide from the voters their ex extremism when it comes to this issue in a, in the state that is the last safe haven in the South for repro, because everything Virginia has essentially banned it, some more extreme than the others. But what does it say that they're trying to hide, that Youngkin was trying to hide, not just on abortion, that is a big issue, but on a lot of issues, guns and other LGBTQ stuff, like they're trying to hide their true agenda from the voters. Well, you know, Youngkin has uh, presidential aspirations and, um, you, you know, he's tried to uh, paint himself, I think, or at least his image is being sort of uh, modelite. Mm. Uh, you know, he, when he was running for governor, didn't do any campaigning with uh, Trump because he knew that it would not go over well in the state. You know, it's, hey, look, I'm the reasonable moderate guy, but it, at the end of the day, he's, not it, it is a facade he is still very very right-wing conservative and you know um is just donald trump you know with a sort of corporate friendly uh you know old school republican face you know it's like oh look at me i'm i, I was the business ceo you can trust me mm -hmm. um but 
you know, I, I don't think he's fooling anybody. Uh, I, I just hope that um, enough people come out. I mean, it's all about that mobilization. So, um, you know, if, if folks can volunteer, um, it, this is the peak time is the weekend before the election. So it, it's more important now than ever because it will send a sign um, as to, you know, where we're headed in 2024 if uh, we can continue to beat back this, uh, you know, extreme uh, right-wing push to to ban abortion. Yeah, I, th- I think the implications, like you said, nationwide are huge. Youngkin's maybe candidacy for president. Who knows what's going to happen with Trump, et cetera. But also, like, what kind of a bellwether this is for, you know, other states saying, oh, it's just a, you know, it's very reasonable. Our abortion ban isn't that extreme. You know, we have exceptions for, you know, incest or whatever. But th- that's very palatable to voters when it's actually that they had to hide these their real true agenda, which is, you know, really scary. But I, I love this idea of like just, you know, this weekend before this last push saying like, get out, get up the word, let people know. Some people, I've talked to people in Virginia who are like, I've actually been shocked at how few people seem to be engaged right now in this election. And it's really scary because it's like, what's going on here? And I was just curious, what what are you seeing in terms of engagement, you know, involvement, people wanting to, you know, either get more involved or, or pull out or pull away? Like, what, what are you seeing on the ground? Well, so I, I haven't spent uh, time on the ground in Virginia, um, but, you know, working with the various groups in the coalition, um, the, the folks that they're talking to seem to be very engaged. So, um, you know, this effort is something that uh you know is is important for this election for sure but it's foundational to 24 as uh, well and i think that um in an off year people tend to be much less engaged and particularly with some of the things that are going on right now with israel with ukraine um i, I think it's easy to um get demotivated but uh anything that we can do now uh, is not only important now, but also for building into 2024. Mm-hmm. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And I don't know that, and again, we'll move on from Virginia, but I don't, I don't, I wonder how many people in Virginia realize that abortion is very much on the ballot without it actually being on the ballot because, you know, this conversation needs to happen. I don't know realize, so I see the ads, uh, you know, my, I live in DC and the, you just get, 
pelted with ads focused on abortion. Like it, it's very clear if, if you watch any amount of TV whatsoever mm. that like abortion is, you know, on the ballot, like de facto on the ballot. Yeah, it's interesting because Republicans' calculations were that it would be, you know, a hot issue for, for for American women for a minute, and then it would fizzle out. And it's like, here we are going into this election, and then twenty four, and it's clearly not. It's it won't fizzle out. It's just you don't just strip us of our fundamental rights to bodily autonomy, and we're like, oh, I'm good. Like I'm just gonna move on. <laughs> they, they I mean, it's just Republicans, though. I mean, how many uh, people in the Beltway media, you know, predicted a red wave? Yeah. Didn't think it was going to be that much of a voting issue. And uh, in every major election since uh, the Dobbs decision, you've seen, um, you know, women turn out to express their displeasure with uh, this movement to, to, you know, take away their reproductive freedoms. Yeah. And Gen Z too, again, like this is, you know, I was just having a conversation with Sam Schwartz, who's, you know, Gen Z and, and there, there is his issue is guns. And it's like that, that's been a very mobilizing issue for them as well. And they're very engaged and involved in abortion was, was another one for them where they were like, oh, wait, hold on. You're going to make me hide under a desk every day at school. And then you're going to start stripping me of my rights. Like, I'm not okay with that. So that's for me, a good sign <laughs> that, that, that hopefully, you know, will lead to change. But um, of course we have to stop them from cheating so much and changing maps, et cetera. And and then we have Ohio, which is, again, you know, abortion is absolutely on the ballot. And that's also going to be an indicator for a national trend, I think, or at least a, a hope that that goes the right way. Again, vote yes. Vote yes. In Ohio. What are your thoughts on Ohio? So, uh, you know, obviously, Ohio is a very red state um, and you had so much uh effort that went into uh, the challenge uh, for the ballot measure back in August, that there is some fear that uh, there won't be as much momentum behind mm -hmm. it, like to, to turn out um, next week. But, you know, I, I think that as much as, you know, the sort of chicken littles like the sky is falling, it's not going to happen. Like the pessimistic outlooks on a turnout in the state are, um, again, we keep defying those expectations. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that the women in Ohio are going to show up to say, you know, we don't want this. And yes, we want to enshrine our constitutional rights. So um my my feeling is that there will be the turnout necessary. Is it a very red state? Yes, it is. But, you know, uh, we won, you know, a few months ago. So let's just keep that momentum going. There was some, you know, I think uh, Michigas over this, like some controversy over, you know, folks not wanting to vote on this this year, but vote on it next year to have greater turnout in the state uh, mm. because of the Senate race. And um, I would just say to folks who subscribe to that belief that um, just because it may be more politically convenient for certain Senate races, uh, we should be fighting uh, in every available election to assert our rights. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that we should we should be telling people to wait on that. 
Yeah, and it's it's all eyes on Ohio right now. I mean, Virginia too, but but it's all eyes on Ohio right now, which gives gives them an advantage, in my opinion. Uh, maybe a disadvantage on the other side of that that coin, but I think it gives them an advantage to really focus. There's been a national focus on this, and I think given what we've seen with how they turned out, um, and and how actually nonpartisan you know the August election was to to essentially give um, not a majority make met the threshold for the majority give the power to 40%. They had to reach 60%. Like I think most Ohioans, obviously by the vote, overwhelmingly said, no, that's not democracy. We don't want that. I know it's a different lift to get to get this there because it's it's reproductive care and it's not just, it's that, it's a contraception, et cetera. Um, but I do think that that's a good indicator of how much involvement there is. They had to jump through so many hoops to get enough signatures. And they kept changing. They kept moving the bar. They had a, a, basically an illegal election in August that they had voted against not having not that long before. And so they just keep trying to change the the rules essentially to cheat. They put mis, in, misinformation on the actual ballot and the language itself. The Senate website, the GOP Senate website in Ohio has misinformation on it as well. So I think all of these signs indicate that they know they're at a disadvantage, like the, statistically, I hope, I hope. And then I think there's a lot, I do think the turnout's going to be, I'm being optimistic, but I, I think it's going to be pretty good too. So I, I don't think that we can ever be complacent, but yeah. I also, we need to have greater confidence in um, the willpower of uh, women to show up. And we have to take our wins and we have to use that momentum. I think that was that the momentum off of that August uh, election for me was a boon. And we have to lean into that. Like it's too often where we're like, um, you know, I'm feel, I'm sad, I'm scared, I'm worried. And yeah, there's a lot of that. But there's also like, okay, look what we did. You know, this is this is a big thing. They keep trying to cheat us and we keep beating them. And so um, I feel like that's good wind um, to have at your back. Um now I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I mean, we were talking about Yunkin. You were talking about that video that you got where you basically got him to say something he wasn't saying on the campaign trail about his extreme views on abortion. But this undercover journalism that you do, you do for the undercurrent. Is that right? So it's part of it's part of that. Yeah. So that's the name of the publication. And that um, just contextually, uh, you know, I, I started that with the Young Turks back in uh, 2012 and um that at that time the young turks were part of uh, current television mm -hmm. and so we had pitched the show to current to be uh you know a, a bigger sort of uh broadcast show but um you know under current uh with the focus being on uh grassroots movements of all stripes across the political spe spectrum you know it's going to tea party rallies but also occupy events and you know just showing up to interview uh, elected officials and advocates about uh you know whatever the important topic of the day was but um you know the undercurrent i moved to dc to work with democracy partners and that became a publication of American Family Voices, which is the C4 nonprofit that I'm the executive director of. So so how did it morph into what was the sort of origin story of you going to what I would consider hostile um, environments um, in, you know, disguise and with a, a, an accent that's you have an accent, but it's not strong. You're from Tennessee, right? Like, so there's a there's a southern accent there, but you would kind of play it up. It sounds like in some of the videos which is obviously a seemingly deliberate choice, I would assume. Yes, it, it's very deliberate. Uh, so, you know, the 
methodology of you know my reporting in the undercurrent I, I always had uh, some undercurrent uh, undercurrent <laughs> undercover elements to it um but it'd been more you know focused on field reporting uh in in the political industry you know it's something called bird dogging like to show up and um you know go after whoever you want to talk to your target with whatever questions that you have um not in like uh, an activist's manner but in a more journalistic manner just to you know you don't have an interview set with them you're not giving the he them the heads up ahead of time it's getting the interview on the spot so um I did that for many years I my first undercover stuff was you know I, I really tried to um use it in a sparing fashion it was like you know for events that were just very hard to get into so ALEC conferences if you're familiar with the American Legislative Exchange Council Koch brothers donor retreats those highly secretive uh, donor confabs um but then in 2020 um, coming back from, I, I had taken a, a leave to work on the uh, communications team for Tom Steyer for president. Um, coming back from that and, you know, having, you know, gone through the election and seeing, yes, okay, you know, Biden won, we can breathe a little bit more easy, easy now, knowing that, it, you know, we're not going to have another term of Trump. Um, but as soon as we saw that there were going to be two runoff elections in Georgia. And I'm talking to my uh, business partner. I was just like, I've got to do whatever I can to be on the ground um, reporting because I feel like, uh, you know, this is going to be the crucible of the political world for the next six weeks. And, uh, you know, this is winnable. Like everyone in uh, DC believed that it wasn't winnable. You know, it was sort of just a given that Mitch McConnell was going to be the majority leader. And as soon as I got on the ground, um, just going to all these different campaign events with all these different surrogates stumping for Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue, mm -hmm. that people just kept talking about how the election was still winnable. Keep fighting for Donald Trump. We still have cards that are, uh, cards on the table, cards to play. And so, you know, when this is happening in the middle of December, it's like, wow, the, the either you know, they are very cynically saying something they know did not be true, or they actually do have a plan. Mm -hmm. And it became more and more clear that, you know, okay, like, I'm gonna get that, like, try to figure out what that plan is. And, you know, I, you're not gonna go up and stick a microphone in somebody's face and expect them to tell you what their secret plan is to mm -hmm. overturn it. So at that point, it was okay, I'm gonna go and recover. I'm gonna pretend like I'm a supporter. And um, how that played out was, uh, then Senator elect Tommy Tuberville was at an event in Atlanta with then Congressman elect uh, uh, Byron Donalds and um, uh, God, what's his name? Madison Cawthorn. Madison Cawthorn, yeah. So uh, Madison gave his speech and he says, you know, y'all keep fighting for President Trump. We still have cards to play. Um, this isn't over. And then Tupperville gets up there and he says the same thing. Uh, he's like, you keep fighting for, you you keep fighting for President Trump, y'all. And I'm just like, hold on. This, this, is, this is crazy because at the time, this is another one of these beltway things where, uh, you know, everyone had heard that there was going to be a, an electoral college challenge in the House. This was, you know, Mo Brooks Freedom Caucus, this crazy sort of, effort that nobody took seriously 
in the Beltway because you had to have a senator object at the same time. And everyone was, oh, you know, it's just a Freedom Caucus thing. It's going to fizzle out. Well, here you have a, a you know someone who's going to be senator saying that they need, uh, you know, there, there's something, you know, that they're going to do. So anyway, I followed him outside of the venue and I was like, Senator Tuberville, Madison said, y'all still have tricks up your sleeve. What are you going to do to fight for President Trump? It was like, well, ma'am, you've seen what they've done over there in the House. We're going to have to do that in the Senate, too. And so, you know, it's clear at that point, like, okay, this, this is a real thing. Like, this is going to happen. They're talking about this. And I talked to Madison, too. And, and um, you know, when I said, what are you going to do uh, to fight for President Trump? He was like, well, you know, we're going to we're going to challenge the Electoral College. And I was like, well, do you think, you know, can you win? Can you make it happen? He's like, it's a Hail Mary, but we think we can do it, you know, and it's OK. And, you know, when I dropped that video, the Tupperville thing, it was huge. You know, it was all over CNN and MSNBC, local news. And uh, I asked David Perdue a couple of days later the same thing. You know, are you going to um, you know, what are you going to do to fight for President Trump? Are you going to? Uh, are you going to object to the Electoral College? Yes, ma'am, I am. And, uh, you know, w when I tweeted out both of those stories the next day, um, after those stories came out, uh, Donald Trump himself uh, tweeted both of those stories. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. First was just like a, a retweet of the Tommy Tuberville thing, but then on the David Purdue story, he actually said, "That's because David is a a good patriot. Thank you for all your hard work, Lauren." And so, you know, uh, this really like ratcheted up the pressure uh, on elected officials in Georgia because Trump just was maniacally focused on getting people to challenge the electoral college or otherwise um, subvert the election results. And it was, it, a lot of people don't remember this. People think, oh, well, it was Josh Hawley who started the Senate objection. No, it wasn't because that happened like a week after the Tuberville story came out. So mm -hmm. Josh Hawley announced the following week. And then like the next day, Tom, uh, Ted Cruz, not to be, you know, left out of the spotlight, announced his own uh, objection. Yeah. So, and, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's fascinating again, like what they'll tell someone that they think 
you know, is friendly, is a friendly ear. And I mean, Tuberville is, uh, it's, I don't know how to say this nicely. Um, it's a deep, deep bench of dumb fucks in the GOP. And <laughs> Tommy, Tommy might just be taking the prize on that. He's not the, you know, brightest bulb in the marquee. All of them. <laughs> What's that? He's their quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And it's so interesting to me because I believe I, I'm remembering correctly that one of the phone calls that they know that Trump made on January 6th, like as shit was going down, was right to Tuberville. Which Where he was trying to get to Tuberville. Yeah. A, a, like Mike Lee or something that he ended up getting. Right. Mike Lee going off. Yeah, he dialed the wrong number or something. Or yeah, like you said, he was trying to get him. And I mean, again, because like they were just saying the shit to other to the friendly people and then finally publicly like um the fact that Tuberville is doing what he's doing in the Senate right now and I believe he's just sowing chaos because it benefits Trump I mean I don't see any other fucking point to it but he's he's essentially he's always been you know what do whatever it takes democracy be damned to serve donald trump's ends lie cheat steal you know destroy democracy and he's he's basically holding hostage all these you know military positions one person can do that is insane but he finally got dragged by his own party but i think that to my mind that this is just an extension really of what he tried to do to subvert you know democracy and overturn the 2020 election he's just trying to help trump now in whatever way he can I'm sure that's part of it uh, with obstructing the military, but I think he also is, you know, hardcore on abortion. I think that that is uh, an actual belief of his. I, I, I can't imagine that that's all for show given, I'll just say it, like, I think he's a really stupid individual. <laughs> um it seems to me that like he has a sincere belief about abortion. Um, it, it's very misguided yeah. in my opinion to, uh, and it's not just my opinion. It's also Lindsey Graham's opinion. Mm -hmm. um, Tony promotions over that uh, Lindsey Graham uh, on the floor of the Senate, you know, was saying like, you can't hold up promotions like this over a policy decision, you know, uh, Imagine what's going to happen when Republicans take back the presidency and then you're trying to get promotions moved through and any Democrat could employ the same maneuver and keep you know, over, you know, keep obstructing uh, these military uh, promotions just based on a policy disagreement. It, it just won't work. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I'm sure that a lot of it has to do with, you know, obstructionism for the sake of Donald Trump. But I, you know, I don't profess to understand the evangelical mind i as an agnostic like i um particularly males you know i guess it's this like need to dominate women's bodies but um it, it is mind-boggling the lengths to which he is willing to go in order to you know push forward his his preferred reproductive choices it's having real implications on our military readiness. Is there, and our national security is being imperiled because 
because the military said, oh, okay, well, you're going to ban abortion in certain states that we've, you know, stationed these, you know, people in and now they have to travel but their own expense like by plane if they live in a state you know that's not surrounded by other states where that's accessible to them or anywhere that, that we're going to help them we'll help facilitate that for them that you're going to be like well you know what our national security can be damned i don't care i'm gonna shut all down until they change that because that's wrong it's like what how does that and i know he's he is stupid but that is next level stupid that's like how does anyone look at that and then make the argument that it's america first or i mean it's just completely counterintuitive to keeping us all safe for something that he's not going to change you know i've been waiting forever and i think i've tweeted about this before like uh, where is you know some woman he dated hmm. at some point in his life who he impregnated and either you know got an abortion for paid for an abortion somehow facilitated an abortion i mean maybe he's never been involved in such a thing but you know herschel walker uh you know everyone thought he was such a uh paragon of virtue on that front and then you know lo and behold we uh come to learn of the abortions he funded mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think there's a, a lot of those skeletons lurking in um, Zydos protest too much uh, closets. Um, speaking of Zydos protest too much closets, um, Ted Cruz, you also spoke with Ted Cruz um, undercover, and he admitted something quite interesting to you at the time. Where were they? Uh, uh, I, I, I talked to him on a couple of occasions. So, oh, the, I, yeah, I didn't know that. Where he said uh, that he he led the objection or he led the the fight on the senate floor for oh the... i didn't see that one well i was going to talk about the fbi defunding but tell me about that one too okay so uh i guess this would have been 2021 in like may he was stumping for um yunkin actually hmm. so he, he was at a yunkin event in virginia and you know i went up to him and i was like why didn't you fight harder for President Trump? I'm mad at you. And he goes, you know, what are you talking about? He's like, I led the fight on the Senate floor. And um, it got, uh, you know, while it may not seem to be that particularly newsworthy, it actually kind of was because um, uh, he had tried to say that he was not, this was not like a, a political move, that he was not doing this on behalf of Donald Trump, but he thought that, you know, the voters needed to be heard out and just like have a delay. Um, mm -hmm. So like the Washington Post picked it up and they wrote a story on how like, oh, okay, so it actually was, you were lying then, it actually was on behalf of Donald Trump that you were doing this. Yeah. Again, they they they're all revealing, you know, their true agendas. In in what's killing me too is that it's in this like braggadocious way. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm more of a traitor than you even know. Do you like me now? Will you fly my flag? Like I'm like that's the whole thing. Like I'm. Oh wait. Oh so wait. I can court you now if I'm really crazy and really extreme and I really want to just you know dismantle democracy. But he also said in another one again he wanted to defund the FBI. Right? Is that to you? He did. Uh, you know, I asked him about defunding the FBI and he was like, uh, I don't remember his exact response, but they tried to, uh, you know, claim that wasn't what he was saying uh, in, in response. Like, that went like super viral. I got attacked from a lot of conservatives, but I'm like, I was standing right there. The guy's nodding at me and agreeing. I think I like know what his 
intent was, even if he wasn't like explicit in the wording, like he didn't have to say, yes, I will defund the the FBI for him to like be responding in the affirmative. So right. yeah. um, it, it's incredible how these law and order, law and order Republicans, uh, you know, will dispense with law and order whenever it, you know, conveniences them, suits their, their best argument. Right. I mean, they're, they're aligning behind a 91 times charged, you know, sexual abuse found liable, business fraud found, found liable, you know, con man who stole our national security secrets and put him in his freaking bathroom. But they're the law and order party. Okay, sure. And but by the way, to anybody watching this on YouTube, I'm sorry about the Steven Spielberg light that's happening. I think it's like the time <laughs> change and the, the season because it, it's never like this is like really like I'm like stay away from the light, Caroline. Don't go to the light. Like it's really a lot. So I'm sorry about that. This is definitely I've not recorded it this time of day and during this season. So I think that's what's happening there, and I can't do anything about it. So I'm sorry. And to you, Lauren, I'm also sorry about that crazy like blinding like gyno like light i don't even know what a gyno light is but i just made that up but anyway i digress okay i feel like, last... I'm, about be, I feel like I'm about to be waterboarded <laughs> seriously <laughs> yes this podcast is a form it's a form of whatever you want joe whatever you want <laughs> Take it stop. Where, where were you um yeah it's i would never water waterboard you but i might just blind you with this light and make you confess to the crimes you never committed but i apologize everybody it's very hypnotizing you could ask me anything and i'll tell you yeah right now. it really it's really reminding me of of um poltergeist like i don't know okay um yeah so i can't do anything about it i cannot turn off the sun um the republicans are trying to do that with climate change so um or something about the sun with climate change but i could last guy um because Again, these are there's another person who helped to overturn the 2020 election, who I'm very much not a fan of, Ron Johnson, who, despite his public, you know, words about the election being stolen, et cetera, he tried to literally pass off the fake electors to Mike Pence's team, if I recall correctly. You you got him to say, you know, that no, Trump lost Wisconsin. He lost, legitimately lost Wisconsin, which was not exactly his public facing sort of take on the whole thing so the first time that i got ron johnson uh it, it was him explaining how trump lost so oh i was right. expecting you know it's the whole like uh sort of approach i took with ted cruz of like you know I'm, I'm mad at you senator like why didn't you fight harder for president trump and i expected him to like give a full-throated def defense of you know what he did to fight for donald trump and instead he gives a full-throated sort of uh, explanation for how Trump lost. And so I like leaned into it and was very like, are you telling me, mm -hmm. am I hearing you right? Are you saying mm -hmm. that Biden won fair and square? <laughs> are, are you, you're telling me that Trump lost? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he goes through how like, you know, he lost because there were, you know, Republicans that did not vote for him, but voted for all of the Republicans down ticket. He's like, look at the vote totals. Mm. It's not a matter of not having the turnout. If all of those voters had voted, you know, who had voted down ballot, had voted for him too, he would have won Wisconsin. He's like, I don't know what happened in other states. I'm not saying there wasn't voter fraud in other, other states, but I haven't seen any, you know, convincing evidence there was voter fraud in Wisconsin. And, you know, he goes back and like he told me that right and that became a became a huge story um but 
you know, he continued to sort of, uh, you know, beat the drum on, oh, the, uh, the election was rigged and th there were things that happened that uh, we need to fix for election integrity. Um, this other time that I saw him, I was actually going to a a, a so-called election integrity conference. This is run by Cleta Mitchell. Uh, and Cleta Mitchell was, uh, you'll remember, was on the infamous phone call with Trump with Brad Raffensperger. Mm -hmm. She's a Trump coup attorney. She's been leading this effort to like she's she's been holding conferences across the country in battleground states to recruit election deniers to work inside election infrastructure in 2024 i mean hmm. it's terrifying what she's doing it's, so she held one of these conferences in wisconsin and ron johnson was a keynote and uh so you know i i'm en route to uh milwaukee and I'm sitting in the DC airport, like, you know, the gates over here, I am, you know, drinking my coffee. And all of a sudden I see Ron Johnson walk in front of me and we're on the same flight. Hmm. And I had been like preparing to be undercover in the hotel, but this opportunity was just too good to pass up that I'm like, we're on a Southwest flight together. I'm going to like board towards the very last of the plane and he's probably going to be at the very front and so i'm going to try to be near him so that when we deplane i can bird dog him through the airport hmm. and so when i board the plane i end up being in the row in front of him so i'm in the front row of the plane he's in the row behind me and when we deplane um you know i basically I, I have everything ready to go. My phone. I mean, I have like, you know, my, my bag, my laptop bag. I'm, you know, fully weighed down with all this stuff, but I was just so pumped to, I'm mm. like, it's gotta be go time. I have this opportunity. I've got to talk to him about this because it had just come out like that week or the week before, maybe a couple of days before that he had, um, you know, tried to have those fake elector slates hand handed off to Mike Pence. Mm -hmm. And so I asked him about that. Uh, running through the Milwaukee airport and he admitted that he played a two-minute role in the insurrection I remember that now I remember that now I remember being like oh my god and then of course the follow-up questions that do were dogged him for a while because that's like that's crazy you got him to say that how does he say that yeah I mean uh the video is insane I, I all of this is you know very you know transpiring very rapidly you know you're having to run next to somebody you know with a camera and hmm. oh you know you mean to tell me that your you know chief of staff went against your wishes or you know did xyz thing without you know informing you like you're the principal why why does he still have a job why would he do this and um you know he's like i'm not going to answer these questions or you know yeah this is very rude ma'am i was like and i said something i was like uh, sir you you know uh tried to overturn an election and he was like i i played a two-minute role <laughs> like okay and then i was like so so, you, so you're telling me you played a two-minute role in overturning the election <laughs> and he realized what he had done and you know then he's like i did no such thing and did it like uh... But I'm walking in front of him um, at this point and he's got, you know, security on either side. And so now I'm basically like running backwards with the phone, interrogating him. And, and he's just like, um, he was very flustered, mm. but he, 
said it, that he played a two-minute role, so. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, and going back to the fact that you had a conversation with him, which... I bongled because I, my brain is mashed potatoes for some reason, but where he admitted that he knew that Trump lost. And then, you know, you're talking to him again. And he says, despite essentially, despite that fact that, yeah, I played a two minute role in like, I you know, throwing those votes away. Like, it's like what? The, the crazy thing is like the cognitive dissonance it mm-hmm. takes to know that somebody lost something, but then to be willing to go out on that legal limb and you know challenge really like the whole foundations of our republic like how do you how do you reconcile that in your head it's insane i mean they have to do a lot of that i think on a daily basis honestly i i can't even imagine i don't want to know i don't want to know what it's like in their heads but it is it's terrifying because I, again these are the same people who got and gaslight you about how they're america first they're pro-democracy they're you know they're the ones saving america from the democrats and it's like constitution right that's right ted cruz is like a constitutional scholar <laughs> he's basically like basically scholar. right sh- shitting on it i mean it's just it's 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 insane but this is the time that we live in which is also clearly insane and, and what i what i wonder about what is so strange to me is that this all you've got tuberville you've got cruz you've got holly you've got johnson they're all aware uh purdue loffler they're all dialed in cawthorn they all know the, the the plot so how is it that like who's organizing that plot you know who's the Where's the team meeting? You know, what, how did that, does that look? Cause we don't have any obviously indictments for any of them and they played a, a role in all of this. And it's obviously coordinated, but we don't yet know so much of that. I feel like what, that's something I as an American citizen want to know, you know, how did they coordinate that effort? And will we ever know? I mean, it, to me, it was like very evident that there was mass coordination with elected officials, you know, when I was on the ground in Georgia, you know, you, hear of the things that are happening but then when everyone is sort of carrying that same message whether it's madison cawthorn or uh, tommy tuberville or byron donald or david purdue or marjorie taylor green um yeah the i I think that you know it's easy for me to see how it was coordinated between like mo brooks Mm -hmm. and uh tommy tuberville you remember they're both from alabama Mm -hmm. so um I can see, you know, 
Mo reaching out to, you know, uh, Tupperville and being like, Hey, you know, you, you got to be in on this with me. Da, 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 da. We got to lead the charge. Um, and, and I went undercover with Mo Brooks too. Um, so he very proudly wears the, you know, sort of, uh, uh the insurrection leader, uh, January 6th leader. He, he signed a hat of mine actually <laughs> as J- January 6th leader. It, it's a, it's a, um, MAGA hat. I've been, you know, collecting trophies this whole uh-huh. time. Like, yeah, directionist. I'm sure. Didn't he turn on Trump eventually, though? And they have soured on each other or something. So when I did go undercover with him, he was not uh, as full-throated um, in his defense of Trump, uh, if memory serves correctly. You know, we were talking about, like, continuing to... Uh, get, he, he was campaigning with... Um, Kelly uh, Ward, who's the GOP chairwoman of Arizona. Mm-hmm. And Kelly had been like a loud sort of drumbeat for the uh, recounts in Arizona, you know, like getting the uh, 2020 election decertified. And so when I was asking uh, Brooks, it was like, well, we need to decertify the election because, you know, we need to set this, the record straight. Um even though he was with Kelly and Kelly was right there, he was like, no, 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 that's not, not something that we should do. Um, it was clear that he uh, w- was not out on the same crazy limb as Kelly Ward and some of her, uh, some of her more fringe allies. Hmm. Interesting. I, I often wonder, like if people ask me this too, like, do you think, they ask me, do you think that, you know, putting facts in front of, you know, the American people, particularly as it relates to Republicans who would vote Republican, do you think putting this stuff out there, the truth, right, their true opinions, their true roles in, in insurrection, their their true agendas on extremism, like abortion, et cetera, extreme, extreme positions on things like that, do you think that these things actually move the needle? You know, do you think that we live in a, a world where that's still a thing or do you think that like people are just in their silos and you're only going to hit the people that already are aligned in thinking like you or that you can get somebody who's like not engaged and all of a sudden sees this thing or reads this thing and is like why well, didn't know that and then you can change you know their perspective what do you that's the last question and then we'll go to a different very different thing but so that's we'll wrap up with that yeah so i mean uh, I think that Georgia is a great example of that. I think everyone thought, you know, no way the Democrats pull out both of these races. And I think the reason that Democrats won, you know, obviously there was a strong organizing ground game. But I think at the end of the day, um, a lot of that can be attributed to Georgians seeing the uh, mass efforts to overturn the election, overturn the will of Georgia voters, and they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And whether or not that means that, Republicans were converted or they were demoralized and didn't show up at the polls or, you know, uh, it invigorated uh, more, you know, maybe uh, liberal voters who otherwise wouldn't have shown up. Um, Every little bit helps when you have these tiny margins. So if some people sat out the election because they were too disillusioned with what was going on and other people were like, well, I got to go now because, you know, I can't, I can't see any more damage like to our civic institutions. I need to know that I like played my part in that, you know, both things are critically important. And 
we have to really, I think, keep in mind as, you know, liberal activists, as progressive activists that like every single vote is important. And, you know, when we start saying that some of these votes don't matter if they're in red states or they're in rural areas, then yeah, you know, we're, we're going to lose elections. But to the degree that we can go in and be seen fighting and, and be seen exposing the worst uh, elements of the Repub Republican Party, I think it, it makes the races winnable. I mean, if you don't show up, you can't win, right? Right. And if you, so all of that, yeah. And if you abandon presenting the truth and the facts because you don't think that they're making a difference and you know everything basically fails because then you've given up on even trying you know then you've given up on the truth and 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 adhering to it well i think you see that uh, a lot with like democratic electeds you know where well why why would we fight for something that we can't get past mm -hmm. you know, what's the point of uh, fighting for something if we we don't have the votes. We can't get past the filibuster in the Senate. And it's like, well, I don't know if you remember how <laughs> Republicans brought up like, you know, over 40 votes to uh, dismantle Obamacare. And it's not that they actually thought that they were going to win every time. It's that, you know, they were showing their base that they were fighting for, you know, what they said that they were going to fight for. And, um, I do think that Democrats of all stripes, whether electeds or activists, could you know do better on that front of fighting the good fight because it's an important fight to have, and not because it's like immediately paying off with the passage of a bill. Mm -hmm. And it inspires, like you said, and it shows it it it, it carves a a pathway for others to follow. And whether it's abortion or guns or whatever, people need to see that you know, like you said, their electeds are are listening to them and they are fighting and not just because they think that it's a safe thing to fight for, but because they principally believe in the thing that they're fighting for. Um, I think that, that, that trickles down. Um, so, <laughs> for sure. I know that, that would inspire me. And I know a lot of people wanted to see, you know, more of that um, on guns and on reproductive rights. And also, you know, on voting i mean that 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 alone i mean it's like a, we're not really bringing the fight here and it's it's crucial but um we can put a lot more pressure on them as well which you're doing and the margins thing about going back to that real fast absolutely crucial again and virginia the margins are everything right now volunteerblue.org you should you should recruit volunteers a shameless plug <laughs> no i love it Yes, get involved, volunteer. This this is all hands on deck. Again, I always say this: democracy is a daily practice. We cannot take it for granted. We cannot sit anything out anymore. Those days are over. We don't have that luxury. Everything is on the line all the time. So um, that with that, we'll conclude the what I call you know regular conversation portion of this episode, and we'll go through it very quick because I've always I always keep people too long, and I've kept you too long. What I call the random question segment. So it's a totally random question round. And you answer okay. however you like. These are very serious questions. Are you ready, Lauren Windsor? Sure, they're so serious. And I, I'm going to have a very serious answer for each one of them. Okay, good. This one is very controversial and, and and very divisive. And so I apologize because people get very, very upset um, on this issue. Um, so candy corn, yay or no way? No way. <gasps> See, now I don't, I don't know. I don't know how we're friends now. I don't know. No, you hate candy corn. 
No, it's like wax. No. Wow. But each wax, each little colored wax is a different flavor. It's like the orange one's a little different nuttier than the... I like all the pumpkins, all the candy corn. But it's like somebody said once, like, what's the quickest way to start a fight on Twitter? And it was, it was all, all sorts of things, but it was candy corn was one of the things. Like, do you like candy corn? <laughs> it's like, wow, people are really, really like dug in on their opinions on candy corn. There's no middle. I mean, you know, are there worse candies? Yes. Circus peanuts are worse. But it's certainly not the worst, but uh, it's definitely not something I want to eat. I, I don't want it in my mouth. So. <laughs> yeah that's what he said uh that's what she said um yeah that's funny because i will say that there is a candy corn fatigue that you can eat too much of it but i i do find i love it very much um but that's okay we can be friends still see look at us look at us unity you know yes we can agree um on we don't have to agree on that okay if aliens showed up and said we want you uh we want to teach you time travel if you send us your most beloved actor who would you send most beloved actor huh like nationally internationally someone you think like the the aliens would be like ah yes this this person i really love harrison ford Mm. one of my um favorite movies is um indiana jones and the last crusade Mm -hmm. i think it is just uh a great movie uh, on many different levels but you know it really as a child made me want to be a, an archaeologist you know I imagined myself like you know unearthing sarcophagi and, and <laughs> fighting off Nazis yeah so. I think that's a great answer and he's an, an incredible person not to mention he was Han Solo and he can fly that too <laughs> that too but I don't know that he can or, fly or maybe like Tom Tom Hanks I feel like like he's yeah. just one of the lovable guys that like nobody hates yeah how could you hate tom hanks although you know they do say that he's one of those that they spread those you know horrible conspiracy theories about it's like whatever like really yeah no i think if betty white were still alive she would be my top choice for most beloved but like tom hanks and harrison ford are excellent excellent choices um again how do you dislike either one of them um okay last question what was the worst job you ever had worst job i ever had well so it, it was a, a terrible job, but, and I never thought that I would do this thing, but um, it ended up teaching me some really good lessons. So um, I was living out in LA in 2007, uh, 2008, it, it, for several years. But when I very first moved out there, it was, you know, like right before the um, subprime mortgage uh, collapse. And um my then boyfriend was working in uh like doing something like like marketing for subprime mortgage companies and so um I, whatever the case like i couldn't find a job in the industry that i wanted to be in which was fashion and so i went to this job fair and ended up uh meeting this woman who was like really intriguing and sold me on uh becoming a sales rep for a copier company <laughs> So, which is just not something I ever imagined I would do, but I was intrigued by her. I needed a job. And at that point it was like, okay, it's a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some other things that happened that um, like this guy that I ended up knowing who was like her Lieutenant. Um, I ended up, uh, I had known him several years before in New York. And so we had this sort of like um, 
you know, uh, you know, we, we were meeting each other again after like five years, but we'd had like, you know, this uh, great connection on the East Coast. And so I went to work for this copier company and it was terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're cold calling uh, on the phone to businesses to try to sell copiers. You're, you know, walking into places of, of you know, different uh, businesses within your territory and just like asking to talk to the office manager and, you know, trying to, to set up meetings to like, you know, sell them on buying a copier from you. And um, it was terrible. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever cold called? Oh yeah, I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible, terrible, terrible at it. But it's so funny to me that like that like, that was miserable for you. But you can run, you can run, run and interview a senator through an airport and like bird dog him. But you're like cold calling. No, <laughs> like I can bird dog a senator. But no, that's actually though the cold calling enabled me to be able to do that. And so what happened was, um, you know, I got to the point where I made my, my sales goal for the year. And I would have gone on the trip. That's like the award for, you know, hitting your uh, goals. But I ended up, um, you know, my boyfriend was like, I didn't move up, up to LA so that you could sell copiers. I thought you wanted to be in the fashion industry. And I was like, you're right. You're right. And so I'm like, well, shit, you know, if I can sell copiers, I, I didn't even believe in this. If I can sell copiers to strangers, certainly I can like sell myself, like my, you know, uh, j- just me as an employee to a business that I would actually want to work for. And so I cold called a, a denim company uh, and, you know, it was like, hey, I'm a huge fan. I would love to talk to you about how I can like, uh, how I could uh, you know, be an asset to your team. And, uh, this, this was the director of sales. I'd called him on his cell phone and he was like, you know, I don't have any, uh, openings available for that for you, but Mm. I've never had anybody cold call me on my cell phone for a job. I would love to meet you. Wow. So he, uh, we had a, an interview at his office and he was like, look, you know, um, this is probably not what you want to do, but if you just want to get your foot in the door, um, you know, we have a, an opening for office manager at the warehouse, hmm. uh, if you're interested. And so I ended up quitting my job at the copier company to go do that. And then, you know, uh, 2008 happened. Uh, I ended up quitting, going back to school and uh, I was in school for fashion design and then got, you know, wrapped up in the Occupy movement and really that ability to like be that aggressive and talking to people um, opened up doors for like, you know, basically asking for interviews in person. You know, you're you're like cold calling a politician, you yeah. know, it's like, oh, you show up where they are and you ask them questions, ask, and it's not like, Hey, can I, and at the beginning, I think it was more like, do you mind like uh, doing an interview with me and then asking the questions? And then you realize like, just ask the questions, like jump into Mm -hmm. it, like go and be, you know, um, the cold calling really enabled me to be much more aggressive as a reporter. 
That's amazing. I mean, really, we were talking off camera before we started about it's funny how the world works and how, you know, different pathways and, you know, it's not what you expect. And it's amazing that this job that wasn't really your favorite job in the world that, you know, wasn't really your cup of tea ended up being one of the ways that you were able to do this thing that you do now that is so incredible and exceptional and revealing. Uh, That is a, a very cool and interesting pathway. I think that's amazing. Thanks. I mean, it, I wouldn't be where I am today without having had that uh, cold calling, terrible copier job. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think a lot of people can do what you do now. I know I couldn't. And I think I have a big mouth. I could not. I would be terrified. Like, first of all, because it's hostile territory, some of these places, but like just walking up to somebody like Ron Johnson in an airport and being like, I'm going to ask this you know, really important loaded question and I'm just going to ask it. I think that is really brave and, and not very many people could do that. I know I can't. So um, thank you for that. But um, with that, uh, tell us, you know, again, where more where people can find you, where they can go, what they can, you know, do this weekend, this next couple of days. If they've got this weekend, they've got Monday and Tuesday. It's critically important for folks to, uh, you know, get involved in these elections, you know, volunteer to mobilize voters in Ohio and Virginia. You can do that at volunteerblue.org. Um, you can follow me at L.A. Windsor, L-A-W-I-N-D-S-O-R on Twitter. Um, the website is theundercurrent.tv. And so, um, you know, this is for all my reporting videos with the undercurrent. Um, it's a project of American Family Voices where I'm the executive director. And, you know, if you want to support our work, we would love any donation that you can give. It all helps. Love it. And and thank you so much for your generosity of time today. And and thank you for your advocacy and thank you for your journalism and, and thank you for putting the truth out there and, and persistently putting the truth out there because it is really, really critically important. And all of these elections are critically important. So thank you for all of your work. I really appreciate it. And thank you for, you know, being a, a true warrior on Twitter and, you know, you're fighting the good fight in the trenches. So uh, you're doing very important work, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm apparently I'm like in some, you know, <laughs> heavenly, like, look at this. Whoa. It's like ET moment. But um, yeah. So thank you again. And that does it for this episode of the Are You Effing Kidding Me podcast. Um, thank you, Lauren Windsor, once again. And uh, we'll see you guys next Saturday. And just vote, 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 and vote. Vote. Vote yes in Ohio. Vote yes in Ohio. It was no. Volunteer Blue. Yes, Volunteer Blue. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. See you next time. Are You Effing Kidding Me is a production of the Political Voices Network. Please visit us at politicalvoicesnetwork.com. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.